the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. It's me. Guys, I miss you. Taking a brief little small hiatus while we get our shit together in the middle of moving and all of these crazy fun things, but it's all good, baby, baby, as they say. We are doing some best ofs here for oral sessions. So this episode with the one, the only former UFC heavyweight champion, the man behind all things blood sport, one of the most dangerous men in the freaking planet. Josh Barnett. He was my first interview that I ever did for oral sessions. First of all, I mean, thank you, Josh, for being my guinea pig. I mean, you get a guest like Josh Barnett right off the bat. Like, I feel like that really set the wheels in motion for what this show was meant to be and what we were going to be accomplishing and just the cool conversations that I wanted to have. Um, Josh is such a fascinating dude. I would actually love to have him back on again to pick his brain now that, uh, you know, the, this is a bit more of a well-oiled machine at this point, literally. Okay. So here's the funny thing with this interview is that I had just found out that I was pregnant and I traveled to Indianapolis with John, uh, because he was doing blood sport. I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, I'm going to like start trying to do the show, but I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do. My emotions, my hormones, everything's all over the place. And I literally just did this interview with Josh in our hotel room, like knee to knee, on my laptop, I had no microphones. I had nothing. I had like Emilio wasn't even on board yet. I had no producer. I had no volume behind me. This was literally a one woman production of just like, I want to do a show and I want to have these cool conversations and I don't know where to start. So this is where I started. I started with Josh Barnett and it's just so cool to see where the show has gone and the fact that we've been doing this for a year and you guys have been so cool for supporting the show and supporting me and uh, all these other endeavors that I've been able to do. Uh, I really appreciate you guys listening and I appreciate all my guests that take the time to, to come on and tell their story and be open and honest and just having cool conversations with really fucking cool people. Just a big thank you to the volume, uh, to everyone at the volume, all people involved, uh, especially Colin Cowherd for bringing me on so early on to, to this venture for him and knowing how important the volume is for him. So the fact that he was, uh, willing to invest in me and my show to help make this whole project work is so damn cool. So thank you guys. Let's get into it. Here is my very first interview I ever did for Oral Sessions with Josh Barnett. Oh my gosh, this is my very first episode. Oh, well, uh, this will be a good way to start it. It's an interesting way to start it because I don't have a microphone. Mm. Uh, we're in a hotel room. Mm -hmm. And this is my first thing I've done since I've left WWE, actually. Okay. So we'll see how the fuck it goes. <laughs> Welcome to the oral sessions. Does that sound like too much of a blowjob thing? It does have a bit of a job-esque quality to it. <laughs> but do you think people will get over that? Will they understand that it's just about having a conversation? Ooh, I'm a little hung up well, on Well, you know, it. you're really expecting a lot from the general public okay, and uh, the internet at large yeah. too. Maybe the name will change. Maybe it'll stay this way. I don't know. Guys, I've got Josh Barnett here with me. And this is a big weekend. We're here doing Bloodsport. Mm -hmm. Finally. Finally. 
you're not on the show tonight. No, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like, okay, now here, finally. And then, yeah, I'm not competing in it because I'm going to Poland to do a bare knuckle fight with elbows. Which is fucking insane. And we're going to talk about that in yeah. a near moment. But what is it like for you being completely on just the production side, running the show, putting the show together, putting the card together. Um, are you very meticulous about every little detail uh, with that? I am. And I'm, it's slightly less pressure because I always feel pressure to go out there and perform also just because I just always want to exceed whatever anybody's expectations are, but mainly my own, like my own ability to go out and, and do what I need to do in the ring. And so uh, I always feel the the weight of, stepping out there and putting the best that I can possibly deliver on the line and realizing also that it's not all about me. I'm not by myself. I'm, yeah. I, I'm in there competing against somebody else. And, you know, they have a big effect on how that works out too. But I basically walk around thinking that I must have forgotten something the whole time. It's yeah. always just like, okay, what'd you forget? <laughs> There's got to be something that you haven't done. You know, and it just especially this, during like this day and age when mm -hmm. it's like COVID shit's happening, shows are run so differently mm -hmm. of how people are getting into town, what kind of testing is being done, where people are going. Like, is that something that was a big factor for you guys putting the um, show together? Yeah, to a degree, but you know, thankfully I have a good partner, so uh, Brett handled a good portion of that. But even still, like, uh, so I had Dickinson and Harry and myself all training together and mm -hmm. so we all got tested just Great. to make sure and. Easy enough. We're all negative, thankfully. And uh, it's just another detail that needs to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, that's not in general that hard. Like the first time I ever got tested was in, I think it was March or early April. And there was literally no, no resources as to where to go. I mean, they all yeah. talked up a big game about, oh, you know, hit up the LA County of this. And there's and like CDC. the drive through things that are like no, fucking yeah. hour long waits. Yeah. Well, at least that existed when I first got tested. Every resource that they kept hammering home, oh, contact these people. All they would tell you is hit up your provider, hit up your general doctor and schedule an appointment. Who has a general doctor? Yeah. I don't. And so I managed to find an ER that had a setup. By the way, funny enough, when I went there, hardly anybody knew what the hell was going on as far yeah. as like no one was there for COVID. That was like, early, there yeah. was four of us. That was it. I saw four people the whole time. Did you go because you thought you had it? Or you yes, to be because tested? I, was at a, I was at a concert and oh. someone came down with it. Yeah. And then it, as it turned out, a bunch of none of us got it. Thank but, God. But uh, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be a four-day turnaround. And then a week goes by, a week and a half. Yeah. I'm like, what the? F hey. So I call them. Then I got to call medical records. Then I got to go. They became such a pain in the ass. <laughs> I was just like, wow, you know. This is the best we can do here. I know. It's messy. It, yeah. it all sucks. Um, John, but my husband is here as well. He's also in the room. You're finally performing on Bloodsport. This has been eluding you for some time at this point. I'm pretty stoked. This has been like over a year in the making. I've been waiting to do the show. Because I saw the first one. I was there live. I was all stoked. I was like, this is what pro wrestling is supposed to be. Is that your so, first one? That was your first Bloodsport? That was that my first saw? Bloodsport show. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, I mean, I remember Brett going, oh, hey guys from new york want to show up i'm like get them whatever seats they want man. If they want to be especially when when regal goes hey i want to come down yeah. and i've known him for some time like well whatever you need dude yeah just, you just tell me well if you want to bring anyone you bring them it's yeah no big deal like i'm glad to have people there i remember how stoked he was in the hotel room just like so excited to go he was going down with william regal he knew he had to kind of like hide in the audience because generally at the time in wwe it was like kind of frowned upon to show up at other shows oh, right so you had to kind of like sneak your way in there right yeah i was just laying low i was just counting down the days to be the free man at that right point. so that was the first time i've been to an indie show 
in like eight years. Yeah. Since, but now this is being a in thing. that environment and that crowd was so great and there was no bullshit, no angles, no promos, just fighting and just the athletes. And I was like, fucking, this is where I belong. Like, a, Seeing how pumped you get for that. And we were watching some of the shows uh, over this weekend as well. But you don't like any of the fluffy stuff. Are you into any of like the fluffy side of wrestling? Because uh, I fucking love that. No, no, it's, it's, it's not for me. And uh, and that's that's cool. If there's a market for it, they'll make it. Sure. And there's a lot of people that are, are able to to put together a career out of this kind of stuff. And, mm. and I'll be honest, man, I've definitely seen stuff where it's comedy that I think has been brilliant and hilarious and great. But I, I guess the way I see it is I have a delineation. So there's wrestling and then there's theater, basically. Sure. It's like, so if you're doing comedy matches and, and goofy stuff and like weird over the top gimmicks, I'm like, yeah, it's a great event to be at, but I don't call it wrestling. Right. Like that's not wrestling to me. It's a totally different But thing. it could still be awesome and I yeah. can still have a great time. I cleanly separate my wrestling from my, you know, yeah. like my, my uh, I don't know, wrestling type event. I don't know. There's so much fluffy kind of interesting irony kind of so to have something that is absolutely not that yeah. something that is dead serious and really stripped down and raw. I also think I mean, one it stands out. It becomes something that is a completely unique. Mm -hmm. And I think also what makes it even more unique is when people try to steal the gimmick, bite it, rip it off. Where have we it, seen that? What are you talking a, about? A few places, a few places. <laughs> yeah. um, although it's, you know, the one major one isn't really the first either. Yeah. It's not at all. I understand why they might want to do it. It only helps us to, at the end of the day. But I've seen other organizations already try to rip the whole idea off. And yeah. it's fine. But what it does show is that people think that it's, oh, well, I'll just go out there and do MMA moves in a match. No, that's not it. Oh, I'll just take the ropes down. No, that's not it. Like mm -hmm. you can try and look like the packaging all you want, but you will not be the product. It is not that way. And even then, I think that we are even on an evolution with what we're doing because it's been so long since wrestlers were trained to wrestle this way anymore mm -hmm. for people to put together shows, anything like this. Like this is so of a past that has been neglected that doesn't exist. So a lot of this is ground up. And that's yeah. something people don't, I don't think, realize. Yeah, I mean, you were saying that watching it last night, but just how much you gravitate towards this being the up and up of this maybe being what is going to essentially be the next big thing within the pro wrestling world. It's kind of like the hot, trendy uh, thing in the Indies right now over the last year or so is to copy this blood sport concept. But I've seen some bad, uh, bad imitations. <laughs> But uh, this is the original, so and I can tell, I can kind of feel the buzz. This is the show of the weekend of great shows with the most buzz. I can feel the buzz off of you. I mean, I know when I can tell that you're very excited and invested in something that's happening tonight. So you've got Chris Dickinson tonight. When do we get you two together again? Well, is that going to happen? There Josh is Barnett a, there's versus John There's a plan for very early next year Oh, uh, to make uh, the reality come true at this point. You know, it may be strange to have... Potential opponents sitting in the same room, but <laughs> yeah. but that's also something that goes with the old school quality of fighting and pro wrestling, and that is, okay, everybody knows what our job is. Everybody is here, uh, and they know what's expected, and so it's not a big deal, yeah. you know, because we all show up to the ring ready to go. You know so how I mean? concerned should I be for John tonight? 
I think you should be concerned for him. Because I see him do some fucking well horrific as, yeah, shit. But you got to be concerned for both because someone that gets in the ring with another of the highest level, it just raises you up to it. These are two guys that have been training for this moment, training to unleash themselves in this ring in a place where you will not find the opportunity in the rest of the wrestling world. And this is some of the difficulty of doing events like this is when you strip away all the excess BS, all you're left with is the wrestler and their ability to be out there in their element and create. Okay, so on to your next venture. So October 23rd, you've got a bare knuckle fight in Poland. Uh What the fuck? Uh, Why? Life's an adventure. Life's an adventure. (laughs) This is a return to what it was like starting off in MMA for me when it was called No Holds Barred. Yeah. There were very few places to go and actually compete. And a lot of stuff was just made up on the fly, you know, between rules and locations and what have you, and whether or not you could even get paid for it. Yeah. That's how we started with the pandemic shutting everything down and places to go and compete being so limited, Uh, except for, you know, the UFC, which has been doing a great job of keeping their, their people busy, which is fantastic. But most of the other organizations were shut down by when I was working on getting this booking. And so I was reaching out around the world to my contacts going, okay, what place is available? Where can we fight? I just want to get in the ring. That's what's necessary. Is this like a feeling? I mean, just wanting to fight or just like you've got some extra energy that you need to expel somewhere Just, right just now? want to fight. I just want to fight. I want to get in that ring and uh, light somebody up this year. <laughs> what has to happen. And uh they, they said, well, okay, not MMA, but what about uh, bare-knuckle boxing with elbows and dirty boxing, clinching? Jesus. And I'm all, yeah, fine. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Sounds awesome. How do you prepare for something like that? From what you're doing this weekend with Bloodsport, I mean, you're their producer side, but now, mere days later, you've got to switch gears to start preparing yeah. for your fight. Uh, I've been training the entire time. I've had a training camp. I've been boxing, uh, working with my boxing coach, Jamal. Um, pretty much all the same kind of stuff. Yeah. And just making sure that your your cardio is good, your conditioning is good. And uh, just lining that mentality up. And I'll have enough time when I'm over in Poland to to just sit there and start stripping away all the layers of everyday modern life and yeah. get, get to that point where I don't care about anything else in the world anymore. Some real man shit. When I, uh, when Very I, much so. When I saw the promo <laughs> for that uh, bare knuckle fight, the way I took it was you're out of challenges. But it just seemed like, well, what challenges there left in combat sports for me? Let's go bare knuckle with elbows against this gnarly dude. Well, I've never done any bare knuckle boxing, but yeah, back early on in my career when we were doing unsanctioned fights and stuff like that, we used to fight bare knuckle and what have you. This is a big, fully produced event. This is some professional level stuff and it's stand up only. So it's like living a real life Street Fighter 2, you know, <laughs> traveling around the world, yeah. just fighting people, finding challenges. Given that, uh, this might be the, you might be looking at my face the it, it, the last <laughs> that it looks like this. You just never know. Come yeah, on, that, man. That bare knuckle boxing that's like the BKFC and all that. Yeah. Like, no, it's no Chris job. Lieben and all that. Dudes yeah. are getting cut the fuck yeah. up. Yeah, you will get like, cut for sure. So this brings me into your personal life. Uh-huh. Because I feel like you are a hell of a bachelor. Yeah. You're like a, a prime get. What is your dating <sighs> life like? It's pretty tame. Really. Okay. Uh, and, I, and I've never really been much of a person to, to live a very flamboyant, romantic life in any sense. Okay. I can say that I've, I've been lucky enough to, to meet people in my life that whether or not it ever even went anywhere are still friends of mine, still yeah. important components to, to things that I do. And I'm also just, I think I'm a pretty difficult person. <laughs> uh, I'm I mean... <laughs> 
I'm not possessive. I'm not jealous. I, I, I'm not so utterly particular that you can't be around me. But I have, I get, I don't know. I, I just have, I'm a, I'm a particular individual and folks might find it hard to. Do you have like do. a lot of quirks? No, I don't think they're really quirks. I just don't do things like the normal person. I'm the kind of person that will defend his woman's honor or, Hell you yeah. know, or it's like, uh, okay, if things need to be taken care of, I don't pick up an app or um, use a, a, a service call or something. I do it myself. Yeah. I'm very particular about understanding what I do, what ramifications they can have, and then trying to see ahead. And so, you know, <laughs> I, I might sit there and go, you know, okay, well, you didn't think this thing through, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I'm also incredibly busy and ambitious person. Yeah. And so anybody that wants to be in my life has to realize that, oh, yeah, I might get a call for one of well. my fighters. I'm going to be in Dubai in uh, three weeks. Yeah. So, hey, you got a passport? You ready to go? Can you can you work from that home? Sounds like a great adventure. Or uh, I'm going to go to Poland and go fight some fully tattooed head to toe madman, bare knuckle with elbows and see yeah. who comes out looking uglier. <laughs> or I'm going to do this or we're going to travel here. or Oh, I got to shoot a movie for a month and a half in Thailand. And yeah. You got to be okay with, with me being out and about and just having confidence in yourself to know that if we're on the same team, if we're in this together then that's it. Like nothing changes for me. I, I, that's, that's all I need to know. But for some folks, it can be hard. I want somebody that, that is confident in what they're doing and who they are and is also willing to take on the responsibility of not only the growth of the relationship as they get into it, because we're both responsible for that. You know, yeah. it is the culmination of both of our efforts, but it's also someone that is willing to continue to do the work on themselves. It's like, you don't get into this relationship and then, okay, boom. And I, then just I got check here. out of everything. Yes. No, 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 no. Like Hell we're no. still on a journey together. Yeah. You still have things that you're going to have to to solve and, and me as well. Start a podcast, babe. No, get it going. No. <laughs> I, I had one for a minute with Fox, but six episodes in, they started reneging on a bunch of their responsibilities and doing things uh, poorly. So I just was like, I'm done. Never mind. I'm done. And I, I realized that a podcast is a great thing, but at least for me, it's going to take a lot of time for the, uh, any of the things that I might want to talk about, yeah. the research to be done, to track down the folks and all that. And if I'm going to commit that kind of time to anything like that, at least the way I, I would approach it, then it's got to be something that's going to be full on. Yeah. And most of the time also, I've had talks with some of the larger podcasting companies and they'll always veer back towards, oh, so what about an MMA podcast? Of like, course. No. Yeah. I don't want to watch that much MMA. I don't want that much MMA in my life. It's just, I mean, I enjoy it, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's not something that interests me. I want to talk about other things. What other things would you do? What, uh, what are some of your other interests that are things that you would focus on? Just uh, that's a good question. Because John's think, like, a, like, he watches so much wrestling, wrestling, oh yeah. MMA, like all the sure. time. What are some of the other things that you like to have? Uh, do you like read a lot? Yeah, I, I read, uh, I listen to uh, lectures and philosophy. And, I knew uh, it. I knew yeah, it. And even, you know, <laughs> things in regards to political science and history. So I would probably veer more that direction or yeah. maybe be more like a, a Rogan type thing. Or like an Anthony Bourdain, where you, you oh, just follow the, the things that you're interested yeah. in and then figure out a way to translate it for the audience at home. Make this Thanksgiving a refer of Friendsgiving with FanDuel. Give and get $100 in site credit when you invite friends to join America's number one sports book. This offer ends Thanksgiving Day, so don't miss FanDuel's biggest refer a friend offer ever. Share your exclusive referral link right from the sportsbook app. 
Once your friend places any bet of $10 or more, you'll both get a $100 bonus. You can bet your bonus any way that you like. You can bet on over 17 plus sports, take a chance on same game parlay bet, jump into the action with live betting, or bet with big promotions like odds boosts. And when you win, FanDuel is going to pay you in as little as two hours. That's nothing. So FanDuel's refer a friend comes just in time for a full day of Thanksgiving NFL football. So get on it. Make your money. Are you new to FanDuel Sportsbook? Enter promo code Renee while signing up and you'll also get 30 to 1 odds on any team to win on Thanksgiving Day. Share more than stuffing this Thanksgiving. Head over to FanDuel Sports app and invite friends today. Disclaimer 21 plus present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Referred players must wager $10 within 20 days after signing up. Limit to 10 referrals. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires after 10 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. TN Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. So you are also into many other weapons, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was watching some videos of you doing what, like some axe throwing. Yep. Do you like collect different weapons? <laughs> swords and yes, shit? Yes, I have. Uh, well, I'm sponsored by Cold Steel Knives. And okay. they make swords and axes. And Oh, I think I heard you talking about that on Rogan's yeah, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Cold Steel rules, man. Yeah, Cold Steel. Me and, me and Samoa Joe send each other gifts back and forth of just <laughs> random weapons. It's he insane. Sent, <laughs> sent me a blowgun the other day. It's sick as fuck. Oh, right yeah. there in the yard. <laughs> Joe has sent a blowgun. The... Um, Weird. Uh, what do you call it again? Hammer dart thrower thing that I took out the tree with. And <laughs> the um the whip thing. Oh, I'm big into the shambok. The shambok. Shambok. Oh the yeah. Shambok. You know, uh, one of the um the main dudes that works with Cold Steel, Ron Balicki, has a whole video on how to fight and train with the shambok. Oh, you got to get that. You got to watch that because he gets me to. He's like, if I'm running to like the grocery store, grab me a watermelon. Get me like something that he can just like smash. Isn't open it weird how it. much force that thing can generate? We're, we're talking about it's a South African snake whip. It's like a big rubber whip. It looks like a fucking giant sex toy. You wouldn't think they're all over our house. Our uh, yeah, people must be freaked out by them. It creates so much force that it's like becomes like a laser beam. First time I ever tried to break a watermelon with it, I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. (laughs) Fucking whip that bitch. Soon, cut through that thing like a fucking laser. (laughs) That's insane. Well, and uh, Cold Steel has Asagai spears, and the story behind that even is so Lynn Thompson, the owner, uh, head guy of Cold Steel, he's also a big time hunter but he often hunts with spears Gosh. and native weapons and things like that Damn. and do you do that i do not but uh, he wants to teach me to do it i've thrown the boar spear i've thrown a few others but I, I don't have the skill like like lynn does but, do you uh, hunt at all i have uh, when i was younger but okay. it's been a long time yeah uh, i just don't have the time but i love wild game so okay. i enjoy hunting but also i enjoy being in the woods and in the wilderness and I know it seems kind of weird, but hunting made me like animals that much more. Like right. made me love being in the woods, made me love being a part of all that and really 
respect what the earth and the wilderness is and, and the, the things within it. Yeah. You know, and also to understand the brutality of real life. Oh, my God. Uh, of the animal kingdom, of the universe itself. John's dad's a big hunter. He's always trying to push it. He loves it. My dad's like a super redneck. He's very different. From oh, me. but the food is incredible, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like getting fresh elk is just unreal. It's very good. But uh, so Lynn was in Africa and he saw these Asagai tribesmen throwing spears, like doing these contests with each other. And Lynn's like, well, hey, I would love to buy one of those spears from him. And they're like, yeah, no, you can't. You can't have it. <laughs> He's like, well, how could I earn one of these from you? And they're like, well, if you can beat us oh. in spear throwing. Oh, okay. And so Lynn takes up and <laughs> Lynn did throw spears and he did well enough. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> we did not expect that. All right, then. So you know what? No, here, just have them. Damn. He's got real Asagai spears in his office that he used to pattern to make the ones that he now sells. And there are people that go spear hunting for, for game based on his designs. But, you know, Cold Steel, they do the insane pressure testing and stress testing they do on their blades mm -hmm. uh, is second to none. And when other competitors will come out and say, oh, we got the strongest locks, we got this on our, and he'll, they'll go, okay. They put them all up against their Cold Steel stuff and, and watch it. Cold Steel beats them every time. What do you use these knives for? Uh, mainly so that I can make sure that there are no boxes safe anywhere that might attack can you me. Please, oh, please come to my house and take yeah, care of yeah. that. But uh, I, you just having a, oh, you a have pocket one knife on you. is always a great tool. My dad carried a knife with him everywhere he went. You know, his grandfather. Is this one father. of theirs? Yeah, this is a cold steel Swift. So it's got a spring Damn. assist opening. And uh, how do you get through TSA with this guy? You got to check it. Check it. Yeah. Dang. But. I've trained uh, Filipino martial arts for sticks and knives and things like that in terms of it as a weapon. But mainly, it's just you should always have a knife. Even the, the backside of the blade has uh, some, some grinding on it to give it a little bit of a, an angle here. So you could use this as a screwdriver, possibly. You can use this to wedge things open, what have you. I mean, it's a knife is just a general tool of life. Do you sharpen your own knives? I do, but... It's so much easier to just give them to cold steel. <laughs> get <laughs> someone else do to it. do it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I throw axes, uh, knives. Uh, I can fight with knives and sticks. I have been shooting since I was a very young kid. Yeah. And uh, I still do shooting sports when I can. And uh, it's, it also stems from the idea that if I own a tool, I need to know how to use it. That's you know, there's mastery, no point in owning yeah. anything if I have no clue how to, how to make use of it. Sure. It, it, it then just becomes a lump of steel. Well, that we had a gun at our house for a moment, and I'm from Canada. My ass does not like guns. Okay. And it very much. What about the rest me. of you? <laughs> the rest of me is Canada-ish. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I was a lot very. Of guns in Canada, by the way. There that, is. That's a myth that Canada doesn't have guns. There is. I mean, I'm sure at some Are you a point I see. No, I love BC, but I'm from Toronto. Toronto, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, see, if you're in Vancouver, that's one thing, but then there's the whole surrounding area. Of course, it's all hunting, fishing. Game, yeah, you can like Alberta and all yeah. that. Like my uncle's big into all that stuff, but he brought one home, and it was like he fucking opened a box of snakes in the garage. <laughs> like scared the shit they, out of they me. Jumped like five feet back. Well, because he kept saying, he, he was like, we should get a gun. We should get a gun. I'm like, I just don't know that we need a gun. And as much as his you dad. You just start going shooting. So we went to, and that scared me even more. Okay. I don't think I'm equipped for it, but I don't know that John's necessarily equipped for it either. That uh, doesn't really like, <laughs> interest me that much. Really. But you scared me putting it together, and like it freaked me out. I would say get a nice little 22 and go out somewhere and have empty pop cans. 
and water bottles. I could do that. And fun things like that and just pick, pick, pick and just like shoot little things down and have a good time. I almost think it was going into a shooting range and having so many guns and people are firing them off that I'm like, oh my God. sensory overload when if you're not comfortable with that environment. Plus, I don't really like going and shooting in indoor shooting ranges also because – what if someone's crazy? Yeah, it's, it's uh, fun yes. for like five minutes and then... There's there's always that. Very minimal screening in there. Yeah, well, I mean, like, they'll generally have a policy where you can't go in by yourself unless oh, you're a member, you know, or okay. you can't rent any... If you, you bring your own firearm, that's one thing, but if you, if you want to rent one, you have to have someone with you. Otherwise, to try and minimize people that want to try and use a, a, a gun range as a suicide Oh, option. God! Yeah. God! I like trap shooting when I was a kid. Trap shooting's fun. Trap shooting's fun. What's Tons that? What is trap shooting? Like a uh, duck hunt where they throw the. Oh. Yeah, that's a lot more fun. Okay. So there's trap and skeet. You know. Yeah. Skeet. They is just, the clay they, thing? Skeet, they just shoot the clays out into the air and you have a shotgun and you, you pop them out of the sky. Trap, they'll also try to mimic other animals. Okay. So they might, they'll roll it across the ground. Oh, that sounds fun. And it's a game, right? You're trying to pick off all the. The targets as they go. Okay, and that so, sounds more fun. You know, but the thing about shooting, I think that um, even though it seems like a bag of snakes to you, <laughs> there's something correct in your in your in your approach and in your in your uh, uh, what is the right like word? Instinct for it. Well, or? your um, trepidation. Okay. Because people should treat guns as if they're always loaded, yeah. and it, that that you know you never point it at anything you're unwilling to destroy and even having a knife or something like that always always consider this thing sharp it could go all the way into my tendons it could you know god forbid get into an altercation Ugh. with a blade how dangerous like having respect for things yeah is the way it should be and if more people consider the items all the way up to driving their cars if they consider their cars four thousand pound death machines that can murder people and ruin lives yeah then perhaps they'd be better drivers too. That's a great point. I assume everybody on the road is an idiot. You're I'm a very careful driver. Because everybody's texting this yeah. 17 yeah. year old girl playing on her Snapchat and yeah. hits me and kills me. Like, yeah. I assume everybody is not paying attention, so I pay extra attention. Terrible way to die. So John's such like a, a, a badass, kind of scary dude. He freaks people out, but he's a no, but you are. I mean, you freak people out just in general. And like, you know. We have that brow ridge thing going on. Is that what is it? Deep sunk eyes, yeah. Like, look at this fucking shark over here. He's just, <laughs> what's he gonna bite? This guy's problem. Yeah. But he's like the sweetest, nicest guy. I feel like you fall under that category where you're just actually like a very nice, gentle guy. If you you know, people will often, uh, yeah, I've got stories where I've literally intimidated people without doing anything. Right. And with no intention. Like I was sitting at a small little bar in a, the beard at a, at a venue and, and the leather jacket with death metal <laughs> pins and stuff. But yeah. I was just sitting at this bar. There was only four seats at the bar and they were all covered. And I was sitting in one of them and I'm watching this band in this small place. And I kept seeing people like walk up to the bar and walk away, walk up and walk away, walk up and walk away. <laughs> And I finally look over and I see this guy standing there and it looks like he wants to come up and get a drink, but he's kind of fidgety. And I'm like, what the hell? So I just look over at him and he makes eye contact with me, kind of slinks his head and (laughs) throws up a high with his hand and then turns and walks away. And I'm going, oh, shit. People have been wanting to come up and order a drink, but they see me sitting here. And <laughs> was now it just too that he recognized to. you, though? Like, was he like a big MMA fan? No, I, I never you. expect that anybody knows who I am when they see me. He just he just saw someone, and even if that was the case, you know, just 
ask. Right. Like I, I would have moved aside so you could have got a drink. <laughs> and, you, I, I, and I just thought like, oh, Jesus, man, I'm not I'm not here to harsh anybody's vibe or be a dick about anything. Yeah. And really, the toughest people I've ever known, they don't have to externally tell the world they're tough yeah. or anything like that. There's no need for any of it. It's just try to, to, to be as respectful and open and easygoing as possible until you the time that you don't right. and, <laughs> you and somebody 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 has to make that be the case they have to be overly difficult unwilling to communicate uh unwilling to to compromise in any way and and really trying to force their perspective or their wishes or wants upon the situation yeah like well they'll put you in a scenario where it's a choice like an either or like oh okay well if that's You're not gonna like this Generally, one of the part of the things that will make me the angriest about that, too, is this never had to happen. This is so stupid. Mm-hmm. Why did you make this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Why did you put me in this position? Yeah. 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 I, hate, yeah I hate people like that. Yeah, yeah because, you avoid that at all yeah, costs, It's just so dumb. I mean, you just want to leave it. You just want to oh, come on, man. Like, Don't this is the dumbest it. thing in the whole world. The though. toughest dudes in the world are the chillest dudes in the world. Always, yeah. Like yourself, Chuck Liddell. Just Chuck never wants to get into a fight. Yeah, no. Ever. He's very soft spoken. He's just like, hey man, it's. He was good. telling us about a, it was like a verbal altercation at his daughter's soccer game or something. <laughs> just like, just rooting for his kid and like some shit went down. I don't, I don't know. If oh yeah, that kids, kids, that, but kids, that might be a different story. Kids sports, man. That's one where the yeah. The, the no, no, what was that story? You'd have to get him. On. I'd have to get him <laughs> to tell the story. I don't, I don't remember it clear enough, but. Oh yeah, you. I mean, you watch watch parents like get sideways just when their kid, like their four year old, is playing t-ball yeah, or something yeah, you're like really dude really? chill the yeah. fuck out so you're in la what made you move to la work just for work yeah well and and when i find when i moved down to the la area in 2000 well actually i started training down there in 04 and fully moved there in 06 and this this happens actually quite a lot with mma where you'll have a cycle where there's a bunch of guys coming through and everybody's all about it and and then all of a sudden they just kind of all dissipate and disappear and then you you're the last guy left around. Yeah. And uh, things were just really kind of petering out up in Seattle and the support group wasn't there. And and I, I'm like, well, I need training partners. I need oversight. I, I really need full-time everything. I'm in pride and I'm doing this. So I started going down and training with Eric Paulson. But then I was finding out that being in L.A., more people were were aware of what MMA was mm-hmm. and willing to, to get in bed with it. So being in L.A., I found that there was all this infrastructure for a professional MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. And that made a big difference. And even back then, people would often think of Vegas as the mecca of US MMA. But the reality was, no, it was Southern California. But then also, so much business is in LA, yeah. right? Everything having to do with entertainment. And let's, let's get it straight. Whether you're doing MMA, wrestling, what have you, you're working in the entertainment industry. By being in LA, it keeps me close to all the other opportunities like movies and those are the things uh, that you things. want to dabble into yeah. more. You know what? Just as much as I find that traveling the world and fighting whoever I can find is an adventure, it's an adventure to see what other opportunities can arise from just being open to new experiences, 100%. like uh, doing movies, doing working on television, uh, producing professional wrestling, and, yeah. and, and and who knows what other things could open up and, and whether or not you can really make something of it. But you won't know until you dare. It's such a fun process doing that. And I'm kind of going through that myself of just leaving WWE. I'm like, fuck it. I'm just mm-hmm. going to leave and see what else comes up and, you know, kind of bet on myself and figure out. The rest yeah. of the shit later. It's a, it's a fun process to kind of throw yourself out there and it see, is. see and, exactly what's going to happen. And you got to be unafraid to fail. 
yeah, you can't assume everything's going to be a smash hit Correct. or, you know, learn and grow as you're and going. And it's just also, look at all the people that may have crossed that Rubicon before you. What did they do? Or even look at how did WWE do things? How, how do they run their production on their shows? How did they buy the territories? How did mm-hmm. they, you know, there's a million things that happen in WWE that you can go, okay, this is the process they did for that. This is why they have this department. This is why, and, and you can understand the first principles of what they're doing to create their product. Mm-hmm. And then you can learn from that and say like, well, I think it'd be better if you did it this way. So I'm going to try it like this, or I would rather have this look or this feel. Yeah. And so I can hire the same kind of folks, but then tweak it to work in the way that I think is best. And yeah. so there's so many examples out there to help a person get some framework towards creating what it is that they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really fun process to be a part of. Um, okay. So final thing to talk to you about here. Mm-hmm. The last time we saw you was when we were in Honolulu. Oof. What happened? I don't know, but boy, was that miserable. Oh God. That uh, was crazy. We had a, such a great dinner. Yeah. Everything was fantastic. This is my last meal and you know, it's time to go. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning and I got the shivers and the sweats, and I'm going, this isn't good. Oh, this God. is not good. And it only got worse. At 6 a.m., I barely slept. I'm, I called everyone I could call. I go, I need to see a doctor immediately. And they rushed me in to see a guy. They plumbed me full of two bags of IVs and vitamins and everything, shot me full of uh, Toradol and different meds, and it wasn't making much of a difference at all. And they finally even get me to the arena. And I'm just with my hoodie on and my sweats crumpled on the floor shivering you know oh just my like, god it was just like was it something miserable. you ate you think we all kind of shared food that yeah night. no i don't think so because it hung around for a little bit right mm. it, the severity lessened and i think a, a good reason why the severity dropped as it did uh was because of getting injected full of all these uh, ivs and all this kind of stuff but i had a fever i was just fucked up Fuck. so it's just like a flu don't know. Just got your ass. Because what was crazy, I mean, obviously we didn't know, but we're sitting ringside because mm-hmm. he was supposed to go in and yes. do a spot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, not only did I not get a chance to go out there and go to war with Ronnie Marks. Sorry, dude. We were going to put something together and it all fucking went to shit. It was a massively miserable moment. It really was. Oh, man. I mean, and, well, you know, he's terrible time. Yeah. yeah. Air came out. He's like, yeah, Josh isn't fighting. He's like, doctor won't clear him. He's all fucked up. Eight hours ago, he's perfectly fine. We were all fine. together. Everything's fine. What the fuck happened? Because we sat down. He's like, so I'm just going to run in here and go do the spot. And like, you were nervous someone's going to come, like, take you out. No, no, you they were. Really everyone was informed. <laughs> everyone was informed that uh, you were going to have your chance to go in there and fucking and, and so lay, lay, lay the law down and be like, yeah, come uh, April, your ass is mine. <laughs> yeah. I never get nervous for anything, but like, you were nervous. I was nervous for you it. Were, so I was yeah. like, am I going to get, like, my spoke? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> but I'm like, what if I got shot in the face? But I was like, fuck, I said I was going to do it. So I'm jumping in a fucking cage. Fuck it. I might mm-hmm. get arrested, but it'd be good TV. But that'd be, well, we'd have yeah. we'd we'd made sure your bail was <laughs> yeah. covered. Like, we'll, we'll take it either way, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing about pro wrestling, right? It's like Takayama explained it to me once. He says, good bad if the friend if the crowd likes it it's good and so it's like you just roll with it if some shit happens if you get hard weight or what you just keep going you do you don't turn out and be like oops wait hold on break the fourth wall it's like yeah. no nah, you you keep rolling with it you know and in fact like if a, if a person gets injured in a match or whatever it's a combat sport yeah, so play yep yeah, okay well 
oh, that was a fucked up finish. No, it wasn't. It is a finish. And yeah. it, oh, well, this guy was supposed to, who cares? Run with it. Use it. I mean, this is, this is having the fact, I mean, with Bloodsport, you can't pick how anything's going to happen. And that's on purpose because if everybody's waiting around, uh, watching a 20 minute match and is too busy jerking off and drinking their beers and yelling goofball comments until, 1449 where all of a sudden it's like oh now they're hitting their signature moves yeah. it means they're going to go the home. The are so trained. And now they pay attention yeah. for four minutes and, and one second yeah. waiting for oh well the match doesn't doesn't end until the finisher's been hit. Oh he kicked out of the finish. Oh that just means he has to do it again. Yeah. It's like no. Yeah. No no no. It's, it's so formulaic uh, the whole that's thing. That's one thing I really loved about Bloodsport was that some of the matches lasted 25 minutes some of them lasted like two minutes. Uh-huh. Finish can come anywhere and the finish could be anything. Yes. There's no formula to anything. I hope I see that, one of those. That's the thing that drove me, would drive me nuts in WWE is like just the formula and the crowd understands the formula. Well, the crowd dictates the matches. They, they dictate actually. They know the that time. the good guy will do good and then he'll get shut down and then he'll make a comeback. Mm-hmm. And they don't really buy into anything, no matter how much noise they're making. They know it's not going to be the finish yeah. until it's like kind of the finish with the finish and. Yeah, they oh, just yeah. want to see cool moves almost. And, uh, and it's not exactly their fault. I don't blame. I mean, it, like the WWE realizes and a lot of wrestling will realize like, well, you know, there's it's easy to market finishing moves. It's easier to keep the structure this way. It's easier to have the, the gimmicks and the, the written promos and to control the product in such a way mm-hmm. that uh, uh, you can have more predictability, which is why with Bloodsport, there is the only predictability is that it's going to be hard hitting. It's going to be snug. It's going to be stiff and serious. One of my things about this is it's not about trying to be like, my wrestling's better than every other wrestling. That's no, no, no. I want what we do to draw the fans in and remove all that expectation stuff, all the predictability. I want people to have to really pay attention. Mm -hmm. I don't care if they're popping during the match. If they're so glued to watching that they're hardly making a noise, totally works because I want what they see to mean something to them. I want it to matter. I want them to be drawn into it. You know, that's the whole point. I don't want people to be able to turn their eyes away. I want them to stay glued on the screen, glued in their seats, and really giving a shit about what these guys are doing. Yeah, that's what's great about crowds in Japan. Clean break on the ropes or something. Yeah. And back to silence. I love that shit. Or you hit a reversal and all of a sudden you're on top. They're like, oh, oh." (laughs) it matters, you know? When I went to Japan with him when he did Wrestle Kingdom, I totally changed my perception on watching professional wrestling mm-hmm. and that. And like just the pageantry even of how everyone comes out and they're like great robes and the masks and the way the crowd was, it like pumped me up. I know how excited he was to go work in Japan and then getting to actually witness it firsthand and see how they reacted to him and how the fans were. Well, I love best. how people have been going on about like, oh, well, but he's this champ and that, how, how can he, what is he doing this for? Why is, I, you know why? Because John wants to fight. Yeah. John wants to get in the ring. And, and, and you know what a champion does is they take on challengers no yeah. matter what. And it's like, it's not about their belts. It's about their attitude. It's about yeah. the intent. And so get in there, find the baddest dude and go, let's mm-hmm. see who's got it tonight. I just like to wrestle. Yeah. I, you know, every match you have is like a little a painting mm-hmm. that you painted that you have that you can show people or whatever and experience. You only have so much time on the earth. I don't really give a shit about being famous. I usually kind of. You're a bad famous person. Not not really my thing. (laughs) He's bad at it. (laughs) Having money is nice. It's a tool to provide for your family and stuff. But, you know, that's not things I'm chasing. Much like you go in a fucking bare knuckle fight in Poland because you want to. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you don't need that payday. You're doing it literally just because you want to do it. 
yeah, money's a mm-hmm. great tool, but you know, unless I'm using it to do something, money doesn't create meaning. Money in and of itself doesn't have any intrinsic value beyond what's on the paper. And even then, you know, you can get in an argument about, you know, depreciation and uh, interest rates and modern monetary theory and things like this. But essentially, you can't find the meaningful element within the dollar bill. You only find the meaningful element in what you're doing in the world. Mm -hmm. And maybe that is something that gives you money. Maybe it's something that costs you money. But having a meaningful life and having a meaningful purpose and fulfillment, that will leave you at the end of the day able to to be the kind of person that looks at themselves in the mirror and is like, yeah, I'm living my life. Have that satisfaction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Best of luck to you tonight. Best of luck to you tonight. And best of luck in Poland. I really appreciate you being yeah. literally my very first guest on this show. My as pleasure. It's starting. My pleasure. Big thank you to Josh for hanging out with me again. Uh, really cool to just hear this episode again and just see the leaps and bounds of where this show has, has gone. And it's one year of life. I love you, Oral Sessions. And thank you guys again for listening. I, I super appreciate it. If you guys want to go on and check out some of these interviews on the YouTube, you can see what you're listening to. Just search Renee Paquette. Give it a spin up. Like it. Subscribe. Uh, all those fun things. Until next time, this has been Oral Sessions. Oral Sessions.